Let's join the worship center at Life Church, where the service is already in progress. Back to what we were talking about last week. Um, last week we started talking about Satan's tactics and how he comes at us. Because remember, Satan knows you're not going to go out and kill somebody. He knows you're not going to go out and, uh, you know, just go steal from Walmart. You know, at least I would hope not. He knows that you're not going to um, dine and dash, you know, and steal from a restaurant. He knows that he's not going to get you to do these severe sins, things that we as good Christian folk would never think about doing. But his job is to distract us, to diminish us, and to divide us so that he can get us slightly off course. Because remember we talked about last week how when you're flying an airplane and you uh, just get one degree off course in the clouds when you can't see, by the time you get out of the clouds, if you're not watching your instruments, you've ended up thousands of miles off course in a short amount of time. And God doesn't want us to get thousands of miles off course. He wants us to stay on course. He wants us to hit the target. Remember, the definition of sin is missing the mark. And so when we miss the mark, then that gives Satan opportunity and a foothold to come in and just take over. We talked about flying under the hood last week and how when you go to fly an airplane before you can get your pilot's license, you have to spend some time under the hood. Now, what that means is you've got to spend some time flying without looking. The only thing you can look at is your instrument panel to guide you and keep you on course. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians that we fly under the hood. He said in 1 Corinthians 13, 12, he said, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know him even as I know. So right now we're flying under the hood. We see through the glass darkly. We don't see the beginning from the end right now. We don't get the whole picture right now. He said, now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am also I am known. So we're flying under the hood right now. We're going through life only by our instrument panel. And we talked about what our instrument panel was last week. We got the Word of God. We have the Holy Spirit leading, guiding, and directing us. We have the name of Jesus. We have our, the, our salvation. We have the blood of the Lamb. We have the Word of our testimony. These are our instruments that we navigate through life by. And when we're in this earth, when we're flying under the hood, we have to look to our instruments for guidance and direction to keep us from getting off course. Because Satan will come at us and get us weak and get us and get us distracted and get us so busy that we don't have any time to do anything for God. God wants us to see clearly. But it's going to take us looking at our instrument panel and realizing how the enemy attacks and how he comes after us. And it's not going to be with some big gross sin. It's going to be with the small things that slowly get us off the 
When you get ready to fly, you have to lay out a flight plan. You have to tell them where you're going and how you plan on getting there. You can't just get up in the airplane and fly if you're going to go above a certain altitude. You have to file a flight plan. You have to make sure that no other planes are going to be flying in your direction. Why do we have so many off course? Why do we have so many crashes? Because they aren't following the flight plan. They're not following their instruments. They're not following the way that God laid out for them. And then we crash into each other and we get so off of what God originally intended. God wants us to focus on Him and not get distracted. Remember we looked at Satan's job last week. How his job is to weaken the nations. We found that in, out in Isaiah. How his job is to steal our joy. We found that out in Nehemiah. How if we, we must realize that if we don't cast our care on God, that gives Satan a foothold to work in our life. If we don't give him all of our care, all of our worry, once and for all, and we keep on digging it up, nothing will ever grow. Miss B preached a, a message the last time that they came back from Belize about uh, gardening and working in your pea patch. And if you plant pea seed and then you go out there three days later and dig them up, they're not going to grow. we got to cast our care. we got to plant everything on God. Cast it on Him and let Him handle it. We do our part and He does our, His part. And our part is not to work. Our part is not to stress. Our part is not to freak out when things happen. Our part is to cast our care, stand in faith, and do what the Word says. That's our part. Do what the Word says. And then God will take care of the rest. Remember, John 10, 10 the thief comes in order to steal and kill and destroy. That's his job. To steal from you. To kill you and to destroy <coughs> But Jesus said, I am come that they may have and enjoy their life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. And it's only that, that kind of life will only come when we are laser focused on the flight plan that God has for us. When we're flying by our instruments, not by what it looks like. Not by what we see up ahead, because we don't see the whole picture. We gotta fly by the word of God. We gotta fly by his way and his will, not what we think we should do. We gotta fly from our instruments if we're going to reach the destination that he has for us. So last week we talked about how Satan's job is to distract us and how he gets us in the so busy. Remember we talked about how busy is replaced by, you know, it used to be, hey, how are you doing? Oh, we're doing fine. We're doing good. Now say, how are you doing? Oh, man, we are so busy. You do not believe every single thing. We have this and 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 this. And I just don't know how I'm going to get all done. I'm so overwhelmed. Well, Satan's already got half the battle. Why? He comes at us with the busyness and the distractions of life. If I can get you distracted, then I... You know, I have the hardest time with instant potatoes. I can cook up a storm. I did yesterday. I, I cooked about three or four things yesterday. 
But it's the potatoes. It's on the bar in the house. Back to my sermon. Instant potatoes. Let's go there. So, every time I make instant potatoes, you would think it'd be easy. Especially for someone that kind of halfway knows their way around the kitchen. You boil water, you throw in some cream and some butter, and then you pour in the flakes and stir, salt and pepper, and you're good. It never fails that every single time I put the water and the cream and the butter on the bowl, I go about my business in the kitchen, ready and other things, and next thing I know, it's boiling over. Even if I put a spoon in it, because you know you can put a wooden spoon in the bowl when it's boiling, it won't boil over. Well, yeah, that's what they say. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But it never fails that it boils over. And I've got to turn it off, clean it up, and then add more stuff in. And here we go again. And that's the way it goes in life. We get all of our ingredients that we talked about with the fruit of the Spirit going last series, and we get them all in our pot. And then the heat of the world comes. And the pressure of the world comes. And it starts firing up underneath us. And we're going on about life, ready and other things, getting the kids here, getting the husband or the wife there, and taking care of work, and doing this, and paying bills, and doing that. And all of a sudden, life is boiling over, and we look around wondering what had happened. We get distracted. And we get off course. And we don't get where God wants us to get exactly how he said because we've allowed distractions to come and our focus to be diminished. God doesn't want your focus to be diminished. Remember, we talked about where our focus should be, Psalm 119, 97 through 103, and then we'll get into what we're talking about today. Oh, how I love thy law. It's I meditate on it all the day. Though thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers. For thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. I refrain my foot from the evil way because that I might keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So what is David saying here? He's saying our meditation, our laser focus should be on the word of God all the live long day. And because of that, then we have wisdom. Because of that, then we have understanding. Because of that, then we have the testimonies of God for us to think on. Because of that, we can refrain our foot from the evil way. Because we know what is evil because we've read the book. And we've meditated on it and studied on it. His words are sweet. Sweeter than honey to our mouth. Satan wants to distract us. And where we left off last week, he wants to diminish us. What does it mean to diminish? It means to make lesser than it is. To, to bring down. To put down. To, to, uh, to cover up. To not shine at its full potential. 
If you diminish the light, it means you darken it, you cover it up, you put it down so it doesn't get to its full potential. And Satan wants to diminish us. He wants us to feel insignificant. He wants us to feel like we have nothing to bring to the table. Well, I'm not a pastor of a church, so God really doesn't need me. He just needs me to show up on Sunday. Not the truth. You know that little cartoon back in the day? That little dinosaur would say, not the mom, not the mom. That's not the truth. Not the truth. Satan wants to diminish you and I. He wants us to feel insignificant. He wants us to feel less than what God says we are because he doesn't want us to bring to the table what we have on the inside. You have giftings. We got into it a little bit last week, and we're going to get into it more in the future. And God is giving us all giftings. Pastors, teachers, prophets, apostles, a gift of helps, gift of healing, gift of tongues, gift of uh, administration. We can go on and on about all the gifts of God that he gives, and they're to all believers. You may not think you're a preacher, but you are. Every time you walk out of this door, your lifestyle is preaching a sermon. Your words are preaching a sermon. Some people are evangelistic. They go out and they compel them to come. They're those ones that Jesus talked about. They go out in the highways and hedges, dig them up underneath the rocks, drag them out from everywhere, compel them to come. <coughs> the giftings don't stop at the podium. The giftings aren't just for the podium. The giftings are for every single believer, and yeah. you have them on the inside of you. And you can function in any of them at one time, you know, because God can work through you in any capacity He wants to. Now, we all lean a little bit more heavily in different directions. But if God can preach through it all, He can use us. Amen. If he can have a donkey talk and a rooster preach a sermon to Peter, <laughs> not even in English, <laughs> then he can use us. And he wants to use us. And Satan's job is to make you and I feel insignificant. Like we can't do anything. What your mom always used to say when you said, I can't. And they say, can't, never could do nothing. Satan's job is to get you and I insignificant. Feeling that way, although we are not. He's to get, he's, his job is to get you feeling like a kitten when really you're a lion. His job is to get us off course. And he'll do that by diminishing us and making us feel less than what we are. First Samuel, we talked about it last week, where um, they were about to anoint the new king. And everybody was looking around at the big strong men in the room, but God had a different plan. He picked David. And God told Samuel in 1 Samuel 16, 7, don't look at his countenance. Don't look at what it looks like. Don't look at, at the package that it comes in. 
Because the Lord sees not as man sees. For man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. You know, I saw an interesting parallel by Jensen Franklin. I wish I could take credit for it because it's really cool. He preached a whole sermon on the pizza box. And I'm going to tell you the gist of it right now. Think about when you order pizza. Do you want the man to deliver or woman to deliver your pizza with it in their hand? Cheese running down their arm? I mean, no. When sitting it in the back seat of their car before they bring it? No. You want it contained in a box. Now, that pizza box is nothing special. It's just cardboard. Alone, it looks insignificant. But when you really got a craving for a pizza, you want to see that pizza box coming to your house. Why? Not for the box. You could care less about the box. You want what's inside the box. We are pizza boxes. And God has put yummy, hot pizza on the inside of you and I. Follow me. Just go with it. And we need to get the pizza out to the people. It's not about the box. Quit thinking it's about the box. It's not about what we look like. It's not about how our voice sounds. It's not about how we were raised. It's not about our past and what had happened to us. The box is insignificant. It's the Holy Spirit working through the box that makes the difference. This is insignificant. It's who is working in and through you that is significant. Don't worry if you don't look the way you think you should look if you're going to do anything for God. Don't worry if you don't think you have the right outfit. Don't worry if you don't think you have the right sound and voice or you're not eloquent with words. You know, Moses tried all that mess too. Moses was getting ready to free the people. Well, he didn't know he was getting ready, but he was getting ready. God came to him and said, I want you to go to your family. Because remember, he was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. I want you to go to your family and free the people and tell them that God said to let my people go. And he said, I I can't do that. I don't speak well. I don't know what I'm going to say. It's not about the box. It's about the Holy Spirit working through You have gifts on the inside of you. You have significance. You matter. You bring to the table something that I don't bring to the table. And I bring to the table something that you don't bring to the table. And together, we have an awesome potluck put together by the Holy Spirit that builds His kingdom in this earth. The box is insignificant. It's the Holy Spirit working. God through you. He wants to use the giftings that He's placed inside of you. Some of you may not be able to play an instrument. That's okay. You can talk. You can serve. You can work. You all have different giftings and different leanings. And God wants us to discover those and realize we bring something important to the table. Psalm 
139, 13 through 17. You did form my inner parts. You did knit me together in my mother's womb. I will confess and praise you, for you are filled fearfully and wonderfully, and for the awful wonder of my birth. Wonderful are your works that my inner self knows right well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being formed in secret, and intricately and curiously wrought in the depths of the earth, a region of darkness and mystery. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book all the days of my life were written before they ever took shape, when as yet there was none of them. How precious and weighty are your thoughts to me, O God. How vast the sum of them. God was thinking about you before anybody around here was thinking about you. He was thinking about you before you ever come on the scene. He was working out plans on your behalf. He was planning a good hope and a good future for you. Shame on us for saying God can't use me. If he couldn't have used you, he wouldn't have made you. Would have made something different that he could use. God can, will, and wants to use you. He formed you just like he wanted to. For a specific purpose. Jeremiah 1, 5-8. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew and approved of you as my chosen instrument. Before you were born, I separated and set you apart, consecrating you, and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. See, look, even before he, before he was formed, God said, your leaning is going to be towards a prophet. You're going to go and speak for me. You're going to go and say, this is right and this is wrong. You've got to get it fixed. Then he said, ah, oh, Lord God, behold, I can't speak. I'm too young. You know, we all got an excuse. Too young, too old, too big, too little, too bald, too much hair. Too curly, too straight. God's not looking for our excuses. He's looking for willing hands and willing hearts. And the Lord said to me, Don't say I'm too young. You shall go where I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Be not afraid of their faces, for I'm with you to deliver you, says the Lord. And so when you go out from here and you launch out on the earth, God is going with you. You know, Jesus was talking to his disciples about going out and talking to people about uh, the things that he had taught them. And the disciples were like, well, what are we going to tell them? What are we going to say? Jesus said, open your mouth and not be filled. If you've been meditating on the word, you've been studying the word, You've been getting God's word in your heart. When you are pressed, when you come across people, if you come across situations, what's going to come out of you is what you've been putting in you. And if you've been filling yourself up with the word, and I've been filling myself up with the word, then when we come in contact with people, what's going to pour out is the word. If we've been filling ourselves with worship and prayer and praise and thanksgiving and honor to God, then when we're pressed and when we're crushed and when we come into contact with people and we're bumped in life, what's going to spill out of our picture is worship and praise and adoration of God and the Word of God. That's right. Don't let Satan diminish you 
As long as you're filling yourself up with the right things, when you are confronted with a situation where you need to speak about it, that's what's going to come out. If you want to know what you've been filling yourself up with, just get moved. Get pressed. Get crushed a little. And you'll see what we've been putting in us. Because what we've been putting in us is going to come flying out. Good or evil. Philippians 4.13 I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. Notice it's not your own strength. Well, I don't, I don't think I can do this. Well, it's not about you. It's not about me. Remember, you're just the pizza box. You're just the delivery mechanism for God to work. You can't. But through Christ, who empowers you, you can. He said, I'm ready for anything and equal to anything through him. All through him who infuses inner strength into me. I'm self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. So yeah, you can. I can do that. Okay, yeah, you can. Through Christ, though, you can do all things. Through Christ, you are ready for anything and equal to anything. Through him who infuses inner strength. Remember, when we remove ourselves out of the equation, it gets really easy to bring the giftings God has put in us to the table. Because it's not about us. It's really not. Have you ever known a child that thinks that the world rises and sets on them? And that the world has to stop what they're doing? Focus all the attention on them. It's a little annoying. God has not called us to live a life that we feel like everything rises and sets on us, that it's all about us. And when we say, I can't do this or I can't do that or God can't use me like this and God can't use me like that, who are we to say what God can do? Because it's not about us. We are the delivery system for God's power flowing in and through us. All we got to do is show up, get in the Word, get God's Word on the inside of us, show up and say, God, I'm willing and I'm ready. Use this. And then God can say, okay, let's get to work. And in the process, it's going to require that we change some of this. We don't come to God and remain the same. If we do, our spirit will die. We need to choose to grow and choose to go and do what He's called us to do. 1 Peter 2, 9. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a dedicated nation, God's own purchased special people that he may set forth the wonderful deeds and display the virtues and perfections of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. Notice that what he wants to display is him. He doesn't want to display you. He loves you. He wants to use you. But it's not to display me. He loves me. He wants to use me. But it's not to display me. It's all to display him. And when we get that in our head, then significance comes because we realize that it's not about us. 
It's about Him. It's not about what we can show. It's about what He can show through us. We are just the delivery system for God's power to move in our homes. So Satan wants to diminish us. He wants us to make, make us feel like we don't have anything to offer. There was a time in the Gospels where a woman brought her offering. It's the story of the widow's might. Some teachers like to talk about it when they take an offering. She brought such a small little offering in the eyes of everyone else. And when they saw her offering, they were like, oh, it's just a mite. You know, that's insignificant. What can you do with that? Can't get an air conditioning system with that thing. But Jesus said that she's given more than anybody else because she gave her all. God doesn't look at what it looks like on the outside. He looks at our heart. He doesn't look at our appearance. He looks at what he can do in and through us if we are willing and obedient. See, those are the two keys. You gotta be willing, you gotta be obedient. Yeah. Willing to do the work that he's called you to do and obedient to the commands and the word that he's given us. The Bible says then you'll eat the good of So Satan wants to distract us. He wants to diminish us. And finally, this morning, he wants to divide us. And I think in the body of Christ, he's doing a pretty good job of this one. Philippians 2.3 Do nothing from fractional motives through strife or selfishness or for unworthy ends or prompted by conceit or empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, let each one regard others as better or superior to himself, thinking more highly of one another than you do yourself. God wants us united. We are a body. Sunday morning is the most divided, segregated, ununited time in the United States of America. In the body of Christ, he wants us all working together as one. We are a body. We try to treat it like different little pods. Well, here's a pod of this kind of Christian. Here's a pod of that kind of Christian. Here's a pod of this kind of Christ follower. Don't get too close. Those are the crazy ones. Here's a pod of those. And, you know, all these different little pieces. The body is dismembered. We got hands over here and feet over here and eyeballs over there. God wants us connected in unity, working together for one common goal. To build God's kingdom on this earth. 
God doesn't want us out with our hatchet just flaying each other. He doesn't want us trying to cut off pieces of the body. You know, we don't like him anymore, so, you know. He wants us united. Now, the Bible does give specific commands for it. If people aren't doing what they're supposed to do and all that, you know, then there comes a time where you break fellowship with them. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that God, it wants us united, but many times we are divided. And we talked about this a little bit last week. Think about the number one reason that you hear when you invite people to church about why they don't want to go. I don't even have to say. You already know. Whole bunch of hypocrites sit there and nobody love anybody and they all say that they love them some Jesus, but they don't love anybody. They are hot mess. That's sad. Now that's not everybody. It's not. I don't think that's true of anybody sitting in this room. We all love, that's one thing that I love about our church. Amen, I like that too. Is that when you walk in, you feel welcome. Amen. No matter where you came from, no matter how you grew up, when you walk in, you're welcome. God wants you to grow, we want you to grow, you come on in and grow with us. But, the people of God have gotten and given the impression to the world that we're just divine. All we do is just run the mouth. God doesn't want that. He specifically said don't do that. 1 Corinthians 1, 10 through 13. I urge and entreat you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus, that you be in perfect harmony and full agreement in what you say, that there be no dissension, no factions, no division among you, but you be perfectly united in your common understanding and in your opinions and judgment. For it has been made clear to me, my brethren, and that there are contentions and wranglings and factions among you. What I mean is that one of you... Uh, that each one of you either says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, which is Peter, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ the Messiah divided into parts? That's what we just talked about. Was Paul crucified for your sin? Were you baptized under the name of Paul? No, we are all members of the body of Christ. And we do this too in today's modern Christianity. We look to people more than we look to God. And we start following people instead of following God. Paul's saying here, I can't save you. I didn't die for you. Better not look to me. Better look to him. And we, we see this a lot in the church today. Where people are following people. Oh, if I could just hear that person speak. Oh, if I could just get prayed over by that person. Oh, if I could get some of that anointing or this anointing or whatever anointing. It's all the same anointing that comes from God. It's the same message, just different messengers. It all comes from God. 
Don't get wrapped up in people because people are going to mess it up. You need to be wrapped up in God, not wrapped up in people. And not divide God up into parts. Romans 16, 17, directly. I appeal to you, brethren, be on guard concerning those that create dissension and difficulties and cause division in opposition to doctrine. I warn you to turn aside from them, to avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus, but their own appetites, their base desires, and, and by their ingratiating and flattering of speech, they beguile the hearts of unsuspecting and simple-minded people. So, Paul is talking to the Romans here, and he says, listen, be on guard for those that start stirring up mess. Don't be around them. Because if you get around a pot stirrer too long, you're going to get stirred right up on it. He said those people that cause division, those people that, that cause dissension, don't serve the Lord, but serve their own desires. And will prey on people who don't know the Word of God really strong and have it really strong in their heart. Luke 11, 17. But he, well aware of their intent and purpose, said to them, Every kingdom split up against itself is doomed and brought to desolation. And a house, so house falls upon house. The disunited household will collapse. So if you have a household that's disunited, Think about it. Think about our divorce rates today. Why? Because the house is disunited. A house united will stand. A house divided will fall. God wants us united around His Word. Living to make Him look good. Obeying His commands. Doing the things that He's called us to do. Why? Because if we are divided, we will fall and we will fail. We are far better together than we are separate. Amen. God wants us to be united. He doesn't want us to be divided. He doesn't want us to be stirring up stuff. He wants us all following His Word and doing His will. Ephesians 4, 3-6 through 6, Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep harmony and the oneness produced by the Spirit and the binding power of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as there also one hope that belongs to the calling you've received, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is above all, sovereign over all, pervading all, and living in us all. So again, there's only one way to heaven by Jesus. There's only one God. There are many that claim to be gods, but there's only one God. And the only way to him is through Jesus. Be eager and strive to keep harmony. Be eager and strive by the Spirit to have the binding power of peace. God doesn't want us all divided against each other. He doesn't want us. There are plenty of other things in this world that we can tear down besides each other. Amen. There's plenty of other attacks of the enemy that we can that we can just tear up on. There's no need to go tearing up on each other. 
Psalm 133, 1-3. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in the universe. It's like a precious ointment poured on the head that runs down to the beard, even the beard of Aaron, that he came down to the collar and the skirts of his garment, consecrating the whole body. It's like the dew of Mount Hermon and the dew that comes from the hills of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, even life forevermore, upon the high and the low things. It's good and it's pleasant when we dwell together in unity. Have you ever just walked into the room, a room before and you could feel the tension? You walk in and all of a sudden every single muscle starts tensing up and, and you feel it. It's just like, ugh. It's not a pleasant atmosphere. God doesn't want the body of Christ to be a place where when people walk in, they just go, what is that? Ugh. God wants unity. He wants us to be unified around His Word, His will, His way, working to build His kingdom, following His commands, and living to make Him Proverbs 6 16 through 19. These six things the Lord hates. You mean God hates stuff? Yep, He hates stuff. <coughs> Says it in the Word. His Word doesn't lie, so yeah, God hates some stuff. These six things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are an abomination to Him. So this is what God hates. A proud look. The spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others. A lying tongue. So those people that go around spreading falsehood and lies. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and wicked plans. Feet that are swift to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies, even under oath. And then the final one is he who sows discord among his brethren. So what does God hate? He hates it when we sow discord among the brethren. He hates it when we bear false witness and go say things that, that we don't even know to be true. He hates it when we run towards evil. He hates it when our heart is manufacturing wicked thoughts and wicked plans for others. He hates it if a person sheds innocent blood. He hates it if a person is lying. He hates it if a person has pride in God. God will forgive them. And if you have found yourself in any of those seven things, God will forgive them. But it's seven things we don't want to do. Amos 3 3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? John 17, 9 through 23, as we close. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you before he went to the cross? He prayed for you. We're going to read what he prayed right now. John 17. I pray for you. I pray not for the world but for them which you have given me. So first now he's talking about his disciples, the ones that he's been training, the people who have been following him. For they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine. 
and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thy own name those who you have given me, that they may be as one as we are. So he's praying for unity for his disciples. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those that you gave me, I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition. That the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I've given them your words, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of them. I pray not that you take them out of the world, but you keep them from evil. This is what Jesus is praying. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. So how do we get sanctified, set apart, um, you know, able to be used for service? Through the word. You have sent me to the world, even so I send them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified through the truth. Now, I'm not praying for these alone. This is where you and I come. But for them also, which shall believe on me through their word. I pray that they may be all be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I'm in you. And they may also be in one in us. That the world may believe that you have sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given to them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, you in me, and they may be made perfect in one. Notice how many times he's saying he wants us to be as one. And that the world may know that you have sent me. And that I have loved them, and that you have. God's dream is for us to be obedient to his word, willing to do the work, and be united for one common purpose. Building his kingdom in this earth as it is in Let's God help us to fly straight out of the instruments of Even though we don't see the end from the beginning, God give us strength to walk through difficult circumstances. Thank you for joining us today. We would love to hear from you. You can write to us at Post Office Box 1004. That's P.O. Box 1004, Monticello, Arkansas 71657. Or you can email us at lci.monticello at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. You can also check out our website. It's www.getlife.co. That's www.getlife.co. There you can find Pastor Kelly and Pastor Josh's sermon notes, and you can see what's going on all through the week at Life Church. We would love to have you in one of our services with us. Join us Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. for a worship service. Pastor Kelly ministers, and it's a great time in the presence of God. 
or you can join us for Digging Deep on Tuesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Pastor Josh digs into the Word of God, connecting the Old Testament with the New Testament and giving us a fresh biblical perspective from God's point of view. We hope that you have a great week this week. Remember, go live to make God look good. God bless you till we're with you again.